Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Daily Roto Going for the Green Daily Fantasy Golf Podcast. My name is Davis Maddock. I am joined by Colin Drew. Uh, we are moving this week to the Travelers Championship, coming off of uh, a great U.S. Open. I'm I'm not I'm good on Tory Pines on TV. Don't don't need to see them play this event. I I mean I think that there are many great golf courses in the great land of the United States of America that would be better on TV. But it played tough, right? We got we got what we wanted. You know, no absurd numbers on the card. Very difficult challenge. We got an insane leaderboard, right? For exactly a little bit. what we wanted. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it was yeah, it was I like setting up end. to be absolutely legendary and. Uh, yeah, I mean, just like the top 10. I mean, even the top 10 looked good, but by the back nine, it was Rom and Louie. And yeah, you could talk yourself into s- some guys, but Bryson pulling the eject cord was pretty painful. That was one of the more legendary back nine ejections of all time. It was so bad. I mean, what he made, and, it, he made an eight. But Rory, Rory was like, yeah. honestly, Rory <laughs> ejected too. He got lucky that Bryson had ejected so much because about the same time, that Bryson was ejected. Rory went bunker to bunker uh, on like a hor- like two horrible back to back shots and made a double bogey. So like it Plus, it was setting up for an insane. I, I feel obligated to bitch about the TV coverage too, just because they just don't show enough golf shots. And like you're you're sitting there, they're cut into commercial, and so I felt like it had so much potential. But Rom with the win was awesome to see. You know, it's always tough when the winner doesn't come from the final group, but for a guy who won from, you know, one of the the deeper groups, he definitely closed it in style too, which was sweet. It's nice to see it come down to the 18th hole. It's usually, you know, we didn't really get the drama there. Rom standing on the range when it was pretty obvious Louis wasn't going to be able to make an eagle. But um, beyond that, it was definitely still a good finish and a good tournament overall. And I mean, there (laughs) we were also sitting there for a little bit thinking, Harris English is sitting there at three under par. Louis is having a battle. Rom hadn't started making birdies yet. So it was like, is Harris English going to be sitting, eating a sandwich in the clubhouse and be crowned the champion of the U.S. Open? But yeah, I mean, it was it was good golf. It was good TV. The reason why they played at Torrey Pines is what ended up happening, which is it's great TV because you get to watch it in prime time in uh, the central and eastern time zone. So like that part of it is pretty cool. But uh, and and happy for John Rom. You know, John Rom doesn't have to have the you know best golfer who hasn't won a major. I guess now it's probably Xander is the best golfer who hasn't won a major championship, and he's like 28. So yeah, Rom shed it pretty quickly and yeah. in in good fashion too. And yeah, especially with the you know forced withdrawal at the Memorial with COVID and stuff. Um, a lot of good reasons to support Rom. Yeah. Um. So we we have a. Another good tournament this week. I mean, generally speaking, the week after a major, you expect it to be like, uh, you know, you have Cameron Smith trading at 18 to one, but we, we got a pretty good, we got a pretty good field this week at the Travelers Championship. Yeah. It seems like in recent years, the players have shown up for this event and uh, that's true again this week, even after the major, Um, not a loaded field, but definitely a deep enough field. And, you know, it's the top end. We definitely have some good top end names. I would say in general, this course is also one that brings in more of the field than last week's did. So last week's course was skewed pretty heavily by driving distance. Yes, there were some accurate guys up there, but um, it was skewed heavily towards distance. And this week it's skewed very heavily towards accuracy. And so, you know, that pulls Bryson and DJ and um, guys like that back to the field a a bit. And 
uh, it should make it a pretty competitive event. I think we usually see the winning score around 20 under. So obviously you got to run pretty hot with the putter. Um, not quite as skill-based, but still good for fantasy. Yeah. What are we thinking for distances at this event? Is this, uh, are we, are we profiling bombers? Is this uh, a hit and giggle? Like is, are, are we thinking like around the green game? Like kind of what, what buckets are we looking for here? Yeah, it definitely looks like it's a driving accuracy course for the most part. Um, and that's how it's been played historically. It is a par 70, 6,800 yards. So it's um, one of the shorter courses on tour. And um, it does have not like super narrow fairways, relatively narrow. One of the things that is a bit peculiar, though, is if you look at the course history, you have seen guys like Bryson, DJ, and Bubba Watson do really well here for Bubba guess it's a course that fits his eye and like shaping shots around the water and like the sight lines and all the stuff he talks about I'm kind of curious Bryson you know I'm curious how much of it has been him taking new angles and approaches to the course versus you know, he's definitely gained a lot of strokes putting here as well through his you know four or five years that he's played it and um, I'm trying to tease that out just to figure out if like I definitely think it benefits accurate players, but is Bryson an, an anomaly to that still? Um, or is that something where we need to be dinging him quite a bit this week? Yeah. Uh, I mean, who, who, like, honestly, who could ever say with him at this point, like he is in a weird, he is in a weird headspace. Like, I, I feel like, I feel like he is what he said. He said um, on Saturday morning, he woke up and he said his swing changes came to him in a dream. So it's like, it's just like, what yeah. is this guy doing? And he was like, like out so hitting balls in the, in the dark and trying to troll Kepka's like TV appearances. And I don't know what's going on with him, man. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's get into it. We have Dustin headlining 11.4, Bryson 11.1, Brooks 10.7, Cantlay, uh, the highest projected golfer of the week, 10.4. And then uh, Patrick Reed sitting there at 10,000. Um I, I guess the reason why this is so interesting is two of the highest priced guys, Dustin Johnson and Brooks Kepka, are just not in good form. Just have not been stringing the results together. And and uh, there was there you know there was that clip on Wednesday afternoon of Brooks limping around on that bad knee. Didn't really end up coming into play. Like he played fine at the U.S. Open, but def- I mean, there's a little bit of concern for Brooks at least, just in terms of short term form. Yeah, I, I would say with, with Brooks, I mean, he's for sure just an enigma for the model um, with the injury kind of buried in the data, not just like recently, but also kind of throughout the past like six months. Hard to figure out there. Also, like the major thing with Kepka, right, showing up for the big events, but missing the cut, the Palmetto Championship. And so that's a really hard thing to tease out as well. It definitely seems like he's motivated by the tougher courses and the tougher fields. But um, there's got to be at least some variance in there. Uh, he's actually, like, the past three events, PGA Championship, Palmetto, and U.S. Open, he's actually played as well with his ball striking better than Bryson as far as off the team approach plays. So I think Kepka actually has decent form. But um, it does seem like a week where you don't have to necessarily pay up because the winning score should be so low. Six of six lineups will make up tons of ground on five of six lineups over the course of the weekend. And we even saw last week that um, like even with Rom winning as the most expensive player, you didn't necessarily need him to win some of these millionaire maker contests. So I think there are reasons to kind of look past the top tier of players um, tonight, or at least this week, I guess um, Bryson feels like 
probably the most comfortable play. Cantley definitely a safe play as well, at a little bit of a discount. Uh, those were my initial leans. Yeah, I mean, I guess I guess I was just leaning, seeing the insane projection on Cantley, not feeling that good about Dustin's game, not feeling that good about Brooks's game, and then also just not really knowing what the deal is with Bryson, and then also feeling like Reed and Casey are a little bit overpriced. Like, it just feels like... Um, one, I, I really want to play Patrick Cantlay, but then also I expect a lot of people are going to feel that way. Like, I feel like uh, in single entry three max contests, like, doesn't it feel like Cantlay could get to like 20, 28, 30% owned in some of these contests? Um, I don't know. I mean, that, that seems like it might be. Maybe, maybe not because Paul Casey is PGA DFS players kryptonite. They just can't, they just can't get away from this. Dude. Yeah. Paul Casey's looking like 25% right now. First look, he has the best course history of any player at this event. It is a course fit, like an accuracy course for Paul Casey is obviously great as well. Um, and it looks like, uh, we got Bryson at around 20%, can't lay around 20% and Casey, around 25% as the early highest owned players with, you know, people definitely not looking to back Patrick Reed, Brooks Kepka, and to a lesser extent, Dustin Johnson. Yeah. Uh, and then Scotty Scheffler, I mean, even at 16% here, he, he looks, he looks pretty great to me, not nearly as interested in a 17% Streelman. Uh, why, why does data golf hate Matthew Wolf so much Do they, are they just, are they just non-believers? So he's been terrible, right? And the, one yes. of the things is they, they don't interfere with their model at all. So that's a, a guy you have to make a pretty big judgment call. Like he was, Matthew Wolf was pretty outspoken about, you know, his and candid about his mental health issues and, you know, trying to battle some of that. And so the past, what, what, what like six to eight weeks, his game just has not been there, but um, I guess you have to make a decision if you believe he is back or if you believe he just played well last week. I mean, I, I don't know if I know about back, but like any time that there is a more plausible explanation for a dip in performance other than this guy was never good to begin with, I tend I would probably give credence to that. Like if Matthew Wolf is saying, like, I just was in a bad Meant, like I was in a bad place mentally. Like, of course yeah. you're not going to be playing your best golf it's, when you're not it's doing definitely, well. Yeah, it's definitely not a good course fit for him. Uh, like an accuracy yeah. track for a, a guy like Finau who does better on the longer courses. Um, so I think he's probably overpriced this week regardless. It would have been an interesting decision if he was down at like 8K. The, the betting markets obviously respect it though. Um, I'd be fine fading Wolf in betting markets um, if they're kind of pricing him towards like the peak end of his potential. Yeah, I mean, so right now we have a single digit ownership projection on him. I I would be inclined just to to play him at single digits, I think maybe. Just because like I know it's not a good course fit, but I also know that Wolf has these high end finishes in his range of outcomes. Um so I maybe I I'm a little I'm a little bit intrigued by him here, especially because you know, we're I I mean, I like Finau too, but huge ownership projections on answer pretty big ownership projection on Joaquin Neiman, uh, gigantic ownership projection on Brian Harmon in this range, who I, and I know we, we talked, we had a pretty interesting conversation with Nelson on the show last week about how the market is getting so much more efficient that if you're just playing lots of 5% owned guys, that means you are just actually playing a lot of bad plays. Like it, it's not quite as um, structured as it is like in something like baseball where 
the low owned plays are not really that much worse than the high owned plays, but in golf, it does feel like the low owned plays are actually much worse than the high owned ones. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. Um, I, I think for me, I think Finau is more compelling. He's still going to get you a discount, maybe not 3%, which is where Wolf could end up, but I'm not ready to slot Wolf next to Finau in terms of projection either. And Finau at 11% is pretty low as far as the top end player. So if I was going to, I guess, like go down the contrarian path, I'd probably just grab a couple extra percentage of ownership and grab Finau versus stuff in like overpriced Wolf. But if, 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 um, like, who would you project him alongside as far as like a head to head? Because I think the pricing suggests he should be close to Finau in Neiman. Like, would you take him head to head over either of those guys? No, I, I wouldn't. I was thinking kind of more of this Keegan, Homa, Molinari, Burns range in, in uh, projection. Like, that's probably where he would accurately be. But I, I don't know. I also feel like at the same time, he has access to higher end finishes than those guys do. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah. Um, all right. This this fellow, uh, this fellow Higo, what's the what's what's the deal with him? Is like is he just is he just the new goat? Like he T tens at the US Open, gets the win. Like is is he just the new guy that we're gonna have to manually adjust for? It's definitely a, a tough one. I I mean I know a lot of his early success was in the European tour tournaments, some of the weaker field events, and then winning the Palmetto, one of the weakest field events um so yeah i mean like he missed the cut the u.s open didn't do well at the pga championship um so he's i thought he did well at the u.s open or am i am i am i mistaken uh i think i think he was on one of the second place millie maker lineups so you you might have like picked up on that i um, i might be i might be confusing him with someone else there's a there's a pretty good chance of this so never mind me yeah so but i mean he could be popular in like a, a weaker field event but not a guy that i'm i'm on this week we yeah I'm, i'll always be like a little bit late to these guys especially if they end up being reasonably popular um i think like down there guy who absolutely crushed me with the the cut sweat was cam smith last week but um, he made so many birdies and eagles. I at least think there are some good things to take away. And there were like two or three holes that played him out of the tournament. And if those holes had happened on Saturday instead of Friday, I think we'd be looking at a much different story. So I like Cam Smith and I like the 7% ownership projection we have on him right now. What about, uh, what about Justin Rose? Are you, are you in on him? We have a single digit ownership projection on him. Uh, 8,400, pretty reasonable price. Seems like he's maybe finding the form a little bit, like just a, just a smidge. Nah, I'm not, I'm not there. I mean, I feel like he's not finding the form. He's not really gaining strokes with his ball striking at all. The, the PGA and the Charles Schwab was kind of short game mirage. The masters was mostly short game. And so, um, I don't know something's wrong with Rose. Like we'll get to Ricky Fowler later, but yeah, something's definitely not quite right with Justin Rose. And so it's surprising in this weak field or not weak field, but like a weaker middle tier. I, I don't have a lot of interest in him. Yeah. Has, uh, has Francesco finally, uh, has Francesco finally shred the curse of, of number 12 at Augusta. We're finally getting a good projection on him. Uh, seems like a, a decent enough course fit. And he's grouped with your Doc Redmond's, Cameron Tringali's, Kevin Na, Harold Varner, Jason Day, just your very lower, lower end uh, tour pros. 
Yeah, I, I don't think I'm back with Molinari. He's just, he's done this to me like once or twice throughout the course of the season. And I don't think it's there consistently enough. Um, it does seem like the, like the accuracy angle of thing definitely is good from a course fit perspective. Um, not quite throwing them all the way into the, the, the guys like Ches Revy and Brendan Todd and Ryan Moore as far as course right. fits, but it does feel like a better course for Molinari. I'm just not going to jump on the performance yet. Yeah. $7,500 Jason Day, can I interest you? This is where things get really crazy because, uh, yeah, I mean, you've got Jason Day, $7,500. you have got Ricky Fowler at $7,300, and... I mean, those guys have just been so bad. Though it's Fowler, it seems like is actually getting quite a bit of hype this week, but Day is definitely not getting hype. Um, there's a, a bunch of guys that are kind of down here between like 19 and 23 percent top 20 odds, and you know Day is one of those guys, and he's one of those guys that's closer to five percent ownership than he is to to 12 or 15. So if that holds later in the week, then I'm at least a little bit interested. Um, I think purely on projections and form, I prefer. Cameron Tringali a little bit more, um, but I, I think they has to at least be in the conversation. Yeah, Jason Day, and I mean, Sir Sir Richard Fallot. Maybe he gets a little bit of dad swag now because he announced that uh, that he was having a kid. Maybe we see a little bit of rebound there for uh, for Richard. Fall- I mean, isn't it insane to see him price the same as Emiliano Grillo and Chris Kirk? Like, never in a million years could you have imagined this? Yeah, I mean, it, it's legitimately like catching a falling knife though because we like said that probably like two months ago if you listen yeah, to the podcast eight, we're 8, talking 500. about 8500 fowler he's gonna be like two percent but um i don't know the, the the one positive for ricky if he's listening to this is it looks like he's going to be the highest owned value golfer this week and so as as you know the value chalk is not failing this year no no the value chalk never fails so if if he can get to uh, you know, 17, 18% ownership projection, those nine foot putts are going to start falling. He's pretty like close just, to it. Yeah. You just know, you just know that's going through. I'm, I mean, I, I feel, Oh, also I realized that I was just confusing uh, Higo with Guido Miglazzoli, who is uh, <laughs> my guy, Skyhook DFS is dude. This is the, this is the cheap guy who's been firing at pins. There you go. Yeah. I think, you know, Fowler, it, his, best asset this year has been around the green play and that's definitely not a winning recipe so right now in a single entry i'd fade fowler i see a lot of guys here who i think are good fits on shorter accurate courses uh brendan todd chris kirk were two of those guys at five percent ownership that i could easily see being like the fifth or sixth golfer on your roster that definitely get a bump at this type of course and right now they're kind of sandwiched between more popular names like fowler Grillo and um, I think it's the type of course that those guys can contend or you know top 10 on and so this is definitely a range where I'm looking for pivots more so than the top end range where you're having this stuff in Matthew Wolf yeah that uh, that's true Um, okay I guess like names here that just seem like they would get a little bit of steam but are not EVR Eric Van Royen I, I guess he is just in awful form right now like but he had a run where he was in, in very good form for a while. He's on the lower end of that now. Um, Brendan Steele is a guy who is getting a positive projection from Data Golf down here at 7,200. Uh, Mackenzie Hughes battled it out and then ended up in a tree 
at the U.S. Open. Uh, was making insane long putts there. Patton Kazire found his game a little bit. Kevin Kisner seems like a good course fit. Matt Jones seems like a good course fit. And then a huge projection for Carlos Ortiz here. Yeah, projections definitely always love Ortiz. Um, Kyle Stanley was one of the names. I think he, over the past three months, he's seventh or eighth in this field, two degrees. So he's kind of picked up the good part of his game that was missing. Obviously, with Kyle Stanley, the putter is always extremely questionable. But um, when I was looking, we usually do like who's the cheapest guy you would click into your single entry lineup. And at 7K, I thought that Kyle Stanley was one of the guys that would be an option. In tournaments, I think Ches Revy, again, like the short course boost um, at 7K, he's going to be like 3%. You know, a lot of my lineups, I want to get at least one or two of that type of player into them and then round it out with pretty good chalk from the upper tier ranges. Yeah. And then I will have my my weekly cry for help, Russell Knox, 3% projected ownership. It's his birthday. It was his birthday yesterday, oh. I saw you can't tell me that it's just so it's just so brutal to uh to try and deal with uh with him um trying to see anyone adam hadwin feels playable down here ryan moore feels playable down here uh, no, 6600 that's your guy yeah hoagie uh michael thompson dylan fratelli just you know these these bottom end uh tour grinders maybe vaughn taylor vaughn taylor at the the short guys course he feels uh, maybe a little bit of play. Oh, how jarring is it to see Benny Ann down here at 6,700, but not even receiving like good value. Like, like they're telling you, like, do not play Benny Ann, which is insane. Yeah. It's definitely, definitely a tough scene for Benny Ann this year. Yeah. Wow. yeah. I mean, I think probably the cheapest guy I would play in any of these would be Tom Hoagie at 6,600. He, he made the cut. He made the cut at uh, the, uh, at the U S open. Good for him. Yeah, I think I think that makes sense. He wouldn't make my three max list, but as you get to like twenty lineups, I think I'd have him and you know one of them. And as you get to one hundred fifty, like I'd be fine playing a, a few percent of him. Um, so for betting, Data Golf actually has a bunch of numbers lit like amongst guys who are actually likely to win. They have a bunch of guys as plus EV. They have Cantlay at plus EV because um, they have him about fifteen to one. You can get better numbers than that. They have Reed as slightly plus EV. They have Brian Harmon as massively plus EV. I, I assume they are doing a massive course adjustment yeah. for Brian I mean, Harmon to get him there. Harmon's been playing well, too. And the crazy thing is Harmon's been playing well in courses that are long and don't set up for him very well. And, and so now you're finally getting him on a course that should be a course fit. Like, I mean, he top 20 at the U S open. And that was, he was like jumping out as a leverage play. And I just like, couldn't, I couldn't do it. So I think that's what you're seeing with Har the Harmon effect is like playing really well in courses that don't suit him. Um, and coming in with, you know, top 20 finishes in what, like seven or eight straight events now getting a course fit on top of that. So, uh, the one caution I would say with the betting tools this week is the, you know, Brooks Kepka, Matthew Wolf, yeah. if their baselines are de deflated artificially from injuries and things like that, then that's going to inflate some. Then of the all the other numbers. numbers are wrong because the market the market says those guys are carrying way more win equity. Yeah, so I think you got to make a decision there, and I, I feel comfortable with like the adjustments they're making for like Bryson or DJ more so than 
Brooks and Wolf. And so I think Harmon at 27 to one is like big enough um, edge there on FanDuel that you can still bet him because some other books have moved it down to like 20 or 25 already. And um, I think some of the guys that are like, show like 15 cents of BV, like Cam Smith, like that seems fine to me, but the guys who are kind of fringe, like just a few cents here or there, not quite as interested in. Yeah. Uh, I think, I think Harmon is probably worth a bet. Um, I think Charlie Hoffman looks like a guy who's worth a bet. We didn't talk about him in the DFS segment, but he, he played well last week and is getting a big uh, course adjustment. And then looks in terms of like the, the biggest EV bets, um, Kyle Stanley, Hoagie, I mean, you can get him at 310 to one on the FanDuel Sportsbook. And then uh, Emiliano Grio is another one that's carrying a bunch of um, EV. Yeah. And I, I like a bunch of the guys to top 20 that are kind of course fits with shaky form um, or at least inconsistent form. So Ryan Moore, Kyle Stanley, um, Brendan Todd, Emiliano Grio. I like all those guys at the, the top 20 prices that are out there currently. And I like all those guys as like the, you know, fifth or so guy on your DFS lineups as well. Yeah. Uh, one and done. Didn't use oh, Ron last week. Bryson so what can week, you do? Dude. Oh no. Oh no. So you're sitting there every stroke is just like, that's another $25,000 he lost. Well, I was, I mean, you know, he's obviously winning. He's like in solo first and there's a lot of golf left to play in an elite leaderboard, but you're figuring Worst case, you got a top 10 and, and extremely likely that you have the top five and doesn't even crack the top 20. That's why the yeah. ejection was so impressive. And that's just like the way it happened with the shank, but uh, the full scale of it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess this week. So you can't play Paul week. Casey. Like we're, we're behind. So we just like. as Yeah. Har- Harmon, as Harmon was what I was thinking probably. Yeah. yeah. I think that would be yeah. a fine one. Um, I'd also be fine playing Patrick Reed this week as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't think either one of those guys would be all that popular. Um, all right, everyone. There we go. Daily Roto going for the green daily fantasy golf podcast. Uh, Colin and I will be back next week. Definitely make sure to head over to dailyroto.com for the optimizer uh, ownership projections and uh, all the good betting tools. And we'll see you guys next week.